it's important to to get out and and you know let the world change you you know it's like it's i think it's an important part of learning you know going to a going to a country where you don't speak a language and and, and going through that and learning that changes your perspective on things pretty pretty quick. Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading all the way across the country to Perth. I love visiting Perth, uh, if only on the podcast, soon in real life. We are chatting today to Chef Paul Bentley, uh, who grew up cooking in Perth, or that's where he started, uh, but he spent a lot of time over uh, in the US, in Europe, and in Mexico, where he owns restaurants. Also in Hawaii, Paul, you've got it all going on. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about what you're doing in Perth these days at Sea Paradiso and at Casa. But firstly, welcome to Daddy Linen. Thanks for having me. Uh, you have had such an interesting career, so many different places, different restaurants, different cuisines. Uh, when yep. people ask you to just, yeah, explain what you do, what you're all about, what do you say? Um, Well-travelled. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably a good place to start. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I've never really liked to have anything sort of pigeonholed and I think that's that's indicative of the menus that we run at, at Sea Paradiso and then and then now at Casa um, I think it's I mean especially at Casa it's more of a, a distillation of life experiences is probably the best way to put it. Oh that sounds so interesting and tasty immediately give us an example like how does that actually what kinds of dishes um, talk about what kinds of life experiences? Yeah definitely I mean so obviously I started off with um, like I left school when I was 15 and then started an apprenticeship um, uh, at a place here in Perth that won a bunch of bunch of awards and stuff like that, uh, but very classical French. And then from there to France, from France to New York, um, sort of got into a bit of Italian food in New York uh, and then to, there to Mexico. <laughs> so, um, and in Mexico, we ended up owning a ramen bar and a few other different things. Um uh, and then I guess the food at Casa is uh, more so at Casa. It's it's food that we'd like to eat with wine, um, but it's it can be European based. Um, there's when it's warmer weather. There's obviously a lot more Mexican influence in it. I mean, it's just. I mean, at the end of the day, we just try to have uh, fun, tasty food. You know, um, for example, we we had a version of a. Um, like roast chicken, but roast chicken and chips here. But instead of the traditional gravy and everything, it was made with a with a homemade mole sauce. Mm, love that. That sounds so good. Um, and what yeah. about at Sea Paradiso? What's the vibe there? Um, it's it's obviously more Italian directed um, because of the pizzas that we do there, um, and and obviously, I mean the pizzas are great. So rather than try to create a menu that that competes with that everything has to be a complement to that. So, you know, it's a given that people are going to have a couple of pizzas. So small, fun, tasty snacks that, that go in and around, um, you know, that whole idea of people sharing a couple of pizzas. Because the, the pizzas, I mean, I've, you know, love looking at the images of those pizzas on Instagram. I mean, can you talk us through some of the, the toppings? Because they're not your standard um, pizza joint kind of vibe. No, I mean there's a couple of classic ones on there, but I mean obviously it's it's everything we try to do is is using the best quality products we can get. Uh, in the dough there at the start, it's it's like a, a 96 hour process to get the dough to the point where we want it. 
And then, um, I mean, it goes all over the place. We like we had a lockdown, and we one of the lockdowns for COVID, we had a bunch of oysters, so we like cured and smoked all the oysters. We ended up doing like a smoked oyster pizza with uh, bonito flakes and 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 togarashi, or it'll go to um, like a, like a version of a, a version of a Hawaiian pizza, but with naduya, mortadella, uh, pineapple chutney, just. Spins on classic flavors, but but done in our own way. Oh yeah, and do your and pineapple chutney. I mean, that is just that when you. It's so kind of radical, but when you say it, it sounds like so obvious in a way. It's definitely going to work with that spice and that sweetness and the acid. It's just um, yeah, and 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 it's, a, and it's a definite yes to pineapple on pizza. Always. <laughs> oh, we love a bit of controversy on the podcast, so I'm yeah glad to hear you say that. <laughs> so, Paul. Am I right in thinking that you left Perth at the end of 1999 and then it was more or less the pandemic that saw you come back to live in Perth again? Yeah, it was um, like I never planned to come back. Um, and then like I ended up, I've, I've just sold all the stuff that I had in Mexico. I've still got the projects in Hawaii, but I was literally for probably for the last five years before the pandemic, I'd come back for six weeks for um, holiday time, um, see my, like eat around, see some uh, friends over east and then come home, see my family and then go. And we were actually meant to be doing a pop-up in Tokyo for the Olympics with the, the Takarias that we have in Hawaii. So I, like over Christmas, we could see, I could see that things were getting a little bit weird in, in China. And then I booked a one-way ticket to, to Hawaii and I was in Hawaii for about 10 days and I was meant to be in Sydney, I think it was like the 12th of March. So literally the day before I bought a one-way ticket and I, I landed in Sydney on the 12th of March and yeah, it was like domino effect. Everything sort of started to, to get closed down and um, and then obviously I, my parents were like, well, the border's going to close. I didn't believe them and then I checked on the news so I flew straight back to WA and then yeah after being here for a few months I'm like well if I leave and something happens to them or or my brother like I can't get back into the country and I was sort of looking for a change anyway um, so I guess COVID forced my hand. <laughs> wow it's such a massive life change I mean how have you sort of reconciled to that it's it's so different you know doing all the globe hopping that you were doing uh, to yeah being being in Perth. I mean it is it, and like it, it probably took me two years to really be being back for two years to actually be comfortable with the decision um, uh, but Perth has changed a lot too um, you know the the Perth that I knew when I left to the Perth that, that's here now has evolved um, in terms of food there's still a long way to go um, there's still some food trends and things that I wish would just disappear <laughs> and, but they haven't um, but but it's a it's a it's a prog- work in progress um, and and actually being back is not so bad. I guess I guess for me personally, I was probably looking for something a little bit more grounded. I was looking to leave Mexico anyway and maybe base myself in Hawaii, but I wasn't 100% sure on that decision. And then I was like, okay, you know. Then, then COVID happened and sort of, like I said, it forced my hand. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, is it a tricky balance? I'm sure you feel like, you know, you've seen a lot, you've learned a lot while you've been overseas. Is it a tricky balance between, I suppose, you know, being humble and open to what Perth has to offer, but also sharing the things that you're able to bring from, yeah, your vast experience elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, like honestly, like I mean, I, I think that's 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 a good part of it. Obviously, I've got like a, a young apprentice now here at CASA and it's, I guess, to be able to, uh, pass on what I've learned, uh, uh, and obviously have an impact on 
on what's going on, um, where I'm from, that, you know, it's nice. Um, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's more fulfilling in that sense. I mean, at the end of the day, they get, you know, I think that that's more important. That you, you know, all the awards and all the accolades and everything don't really mean anything. Um, they're not as fulfilling as something like that. I mean, it's, it, it, yeah, it, it's definitely on the fulfillment end of the scale. It's, it's definitely more fulfilling to be able to bring something to the table like that. And what about things that have excited you about WA? Like, is there produce that you that perhaps wasn't coming through, you know, in the late 90s that you just like, whoa, this is, you know, really amazing now? There's, there's definitely, there's, 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 there's a lot of produce that, that excites me. There's a lot of stuff that's, that, that's not, that's sort of spruiked a bit in the media. Um, that, that, that's not, but I mean, definitely like the, like some of the scallops, some of the, some of the produce, um, uh, Ben Pithick, one of the local fishermen, like the whole process that he takes and the care that he takes with the fish. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, like some of the, some of the local cheeses, um, it's, it's actually a really exciting time. You know, it's like, when I was first here and doing my apprenticeship, it was all you would ever hear was everything in Europe is better. And I think, and in, I think in Australia, we struggle, we struggled for a long time to have our own food identity. And I don't think we have one. Like it's, it's not like if you, for example, if you go to Italy, you go to France, you go to Mexico, you go to Asia, there's such a, a depth of food in their culture for, for, for so many years. Uh, we don't have that in Australia. So we've been taking little bits and pieces from here and there and uh, that's okay. Like for, for a long time, people were, were, weren't okay with that and, and, you know, sort of struggled with that misidentity. And I, I think that's, that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's okay not to have that. Don't pretend that you do and, and just, you know, just, just try and cook good food and be creative. Yeah, definitely. I think there are advantages in being able to take elements from all kinds of different cuisines and cultures. Yeah, I mean, you're not. Yeah, yeah, you're not bound by by rules. You know, like there was so many places that I worked, and it's like you can't do this because it's not classic French, or you can't do this because it's not this. And it's like, well, why not? <laughs> it's like if it tastes good, why not? You know. Mm, well, that that instantly makes me want to chat to you about Danielle, the um, the flagship restaurant in New York from Daniel Ballou, where I understand you a sous chef, and I guess that's that's a, you know a pretty classic restaurant. I'd love you to just give us an insight into that kitchen and what it was like to work there. Um, minimum minimum sixteen hours a day. Um, everything obviously at that point there were three Michelin stars, so. It was interesting because I started there in the year after 9-11. So before they used to have lunch and dinner and then they stopped doing lunch. So you'd have like a, a crew earlier in the morning to do prep. That that sort of went away. So it was a smaller crew for Danielle standards, but you were still starting 7.38 in the morning um, right the way through to 12 at night most, most days, um, six days a week. Um, very – a lot of pressure, very intense – but you know, in some sense, I think that's sort of missing a little bit nowadays from from the whole food industry. I, I think people uh, are a little bit afraid to 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 go down that road and push. Like it's there was a lot of stuff that you had to deal with. Like, it's like I said to my cooks here sometimes. It's like, listen, was I the best cook at Daniel? No, dude. There was there was ten, twelve, thirteen people that were probably better than me. But the difference is they couldn't handle the pressure. Does that make them right? Does it make me better than them or not? Not really. But when you deal with that and you overcome that pressure, like you get more more sense of fulfillment. I think people now want 
everything instant. They don't want to work for it. So, like, in that sense, I think it's important for people to go through an experience like that. I mean, I was there three years. So, it was a very intense three years. Um, obviously, the number of covers you could walk in on, a, on the first day of the week and do 300 covers on a Monday. Um, and it has to be high standard. What are some dishes or techniques that you remember from that period that you've been able to, I guess, you know, they're, they're part of your story now? Um, I guess it was more like I'd already, I already had a very good base of, of classic French food when I went there. So it was more polishing that. I think in, for example, in New York, there's so much pressure um, to, to succeed. Um, I, I think that's an important part of the New York experience. For example, you can create something and then the next day there's 20 other restaurants doing the same thing. So there's that constant pressure to evolve. There's that constant pressure to maintain perfection, which, which I think is, 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 is iconic to that part of New York experience. I mean, there was, there were some dishes that I, like, I really remember, but it's, it's more so for the, for the quantity of those dishes we had to do. I remember we did an event, an offsite catering event for a thousand people and we had to, like tunnel burn a thousand quails that were then f- filled with a fig wrapped in prosciutto, wrapped in spinach with a piece of seared foie gras, uh, like inside. So th- there was, there was a few things like that. There was, it was more in ground. I remember one week we praised about a thousand kilos of short ribs too, for like two offside events. So there was, there was on top of everything else, there was that. But uh, I mean, I think for me, it was just a constant pursuit, pursuit of perfection that, was the thing that I took away from it. Yeah. It's so interesting, you know, because you talk about the pressure and how, you know, the 12 or 13 cooks that were, you know, preceded you perhaps just couldn't handle that pressure. And you think, well, you thrived, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was tough, but, you know, you took something from it. You appreciated the good things about it. But I just think about, you know, what about those 12 or 13 guys that it broke? You know, like it's like, that's, that's not good. But there, there, was, there was, there was a lot more than 12 or 13. Like it's like, I mean, it was, it, it listen, the, the thing in, the thing in New York, and there was, there was one interesting thing that I took away from it. It's, it's there, for example, there was, if you didn't want to do the job, there was a hundred other people that were dying for that one opportunity to get in there and do it. And then leaving that and then opening my own businesses, like the way that you deal and manage people like, had to take a complete 180 because there wasn't a hundred people lined up waiting to come and work for me. Um, but I don't think that's a reason to take the foot off the accelerator and, and, and not uh, push or not look for strive for perfection or strive to be better. I mean, it's like, for me, it's okay. I'll do something and it'd be great, but you can tell me that it's that it's that it's an amazing dish, and I can straight away find twenty things that I don't like about it. So, I think being there and 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 going through that sort of situation, you you get that that auto filter, um, and you know it's you learn to take criticism, which is which is a uh, you know kind of important in hospitality as well. Um, and, and like I said, it's, it's like that self, self fulfillment. If you, if you can do it, you can get through it. Well, there's, there's nothing that you can't do, you know? Mm, yeah. I mean, tell me about Mexico because I imagine, you know, the experience of running businesses and kitchens there must've been so different to New York. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, the biggest, the biggest experience was, um, people aren't working there to get it on a resume. They're working there just as a job. 
Um, there's the challenge of learning a different language, obviously running businesses in a very corrupt country. That was, that was kind of fun. Um, and, and yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think it's, there was just a challenge on a different set, you know, but, but obviously based on what I'd learned and, and done in the past, I mean, I ended up owning nine businesses in, in a foreign country. So it's, you know, it, I mean, I always, I always like to look for a challenge. I always like to, I like, I like that uh, element of craziness in my life. I think I thrive in that sort of cr- like a uh, high pressure crazy zone. Um, and, you know, I've, I've sort of looked for those situations, I guess, and, and, and excelled in them. So, yeah, I mean, you spoke about, you know, how rewarding it is to, you know, help school up your apprentice in Perth, but what do you think generally about Australian kitchen culture and that, I guess that balance between striving for excellence, but also so many people now are looking for a bit more work-life balance. Mental health is a huge discussion. Like how do you, you know, and of course, you know, think about the prices that someone would be prepared to pay at somewhere like Danielle compared to the prices people would pay in Australia. I mean, that is a huge part of it. Obviously Mexico is another story again. So basically, yeah, what do you, where, how do you think it all shakes down? I mean, I think I think the hospitality system in Australia, like, is in need of a bit of attention. Um, like, I mean, wages, for example, I think that there should be a higher wage across the board, but do away with double time, triple time, and all those sort of things. I mean, at the end of the day, you get into hospitality, uh, and you know you're going to have to work weekends. You know you're going to have to work public holidays. Like, it's a given. It's part of the job. Um, it just makes it really hard for people to have a business. So I think there needs to be a better balance between those two. Like, obviously, you know, you could pay people a, a fairer wage, a higher fairer wage across the board, but do away with those things that penalize a business. You know, I, th- I think it's got to be beneficial to both sides. Um, in general, like, I, I think there's a great work ethic in Australia. I think some of the younger generation of, generations of cooks want it a lot easier than it, than, it, than it has to be. Like, it's, you know, it's – I'm I'm – I learned the hard way and I'm not for going down that road, but there's a, there's a definitely a, a larger sense of entitlement. Um, and like, like anything, cooking is one of those things that you've got to put your time in, you know, just because you're straight out of culinary school or, or straight out, straight out of qualified, or you've seen a few episodes of something on YouTube that doesn't mean you can run a kitchen or, or, or doesn't mean that you can create something, um, and, and put it on a menu. It's years of repetition, years of building a palate, years of, practice i mean you know point in case learning to make sushi it's what five years five years of making rice before you even allowed to touch the fish so you know it's there's something to be said for like mastering something over a longer period of time yeah absolutely and i mean we were you shown that early in your career i mean there must have been yeah like what kind of mentors did you have early on or you know what lit you up about it when you left school at 15 to to start working in kitchens yeah i mean i hated school like i was i was a total troublemaker and and like i like i hated school so this is my out and i was already washing dishes in a restaurant part-time so i mean the, the place that i did my apprenticeship was like this old school french place um like the loose box it was like really in the heyday like elaine was um was a total total hard ass like you'd get shit thrown at you sources pouring down your jacket like it was it was the hard it was the hard yards and i mean but then elaine has turned out to be probably one of my biggest mentors and and not only a mentor a friend um 
you know, over the years. Um, most 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 chefs that I've worked for um, uh, are like that. So, you know, I, I think it's important. Yeah, it's, it's just so interesting because, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming slash hoping that you're not pouring sauces down anyone's jacket these days. No, 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 no. It's, it's like, like I said, like I learned that way. And the thing that I've learned, it's, it, it's very few people can, can, can deal with that and, and come out of the other side. So you've got to strike a balance between the two, you know, it's, you know, if, if you've got to repeat things over and over and over and over again, well, you know, that person probably shouldn't be working in that position. Um, you know, but you've got to take the time and you've got to culture, and and create the stuff that you want. You know, you got to believe in them. You got to give them some belief in themselves. But everything everything's a balance game. I just, I'm also really curious for you to uh, tell me which food trends you think we need to kill right here, right now. Uh, microgreens, like I thought they should have died off. Microgreens and flowers on food, like unless unless you have a restaurant where it's uh, you're growing everything and then. Um, it's it's on you're growing everything on the farm and maybe you get some beautiful like rocket flowers or something in season but like yeah i, I thought that trend would have gone away a very 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 long time ago um tweezers and food not really a fan um little dots and and magic powders in food either not really a fan yeah r- real food real flavor um I, I you know for me that's that's important you know it's um i think there's a lot to be lot to be said for just well-cooked food um done well yeah absolutely um so you know obviously you love to be busy you love challenges uh there's you've got two restaurants that you're looking after in perth at the moment but now that you've got rid of the businesses in mexico i feel like there must be more things on your horizon what 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 else have you got planned yeah, there is. There's. We actually have the space next door to Casa that we've we've got uh, something going on there. Um, and then, yeah, we'll see. I mean, now that I'm sort of here in Perth, um, yeah, I'm definitely not going to st- sit still. There's a few more things uh, that I want to do uh, in terms of businesses here. And then, yeah, it's uh, just keep on moving forward. I think Mexican food in Australia, you know, it's always – I guess a big conversation. You know, it it can't mm-hmm. be truly authentic. How authentic does it need to be? Who should be cooking it? I mean, where do you think Mexican food is um, in Australia? I mean, for me, for example, like uh, the only places, well, the only restaurants I had that did Mexican food were outside of Mexico, and the the, the guys who worked there are actually Mexican. For me, like we do, uh, like I lived in Mexico ten years. I don't cook traditional Mexican food. I never profess to cook traditional Mexican food. My grandmother never made a mole, my, you know, and, and, you know, dishes like that. So it's my interpretation of that food uh, after living there 10 years. So that's the way that we sell it. Um, if I ever did a Mexican concept and here, like I'd probably bring someone from Mexico to do it because Jose from Puebla tells a better story than, than Chad from Scarborough, for example. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it, like food has to be authentic. Um, it, it has to, it, food has to be honest. It has to be authentic. And, and even after living there 10 years, it's like, like I said, I don't think I'm, I'm qualified to say that I cook um, authentic Mexican food, you know, but having said that, I like to keep it, in line with with what what is you know with what I saw over there you know I'm not I'm not trying to like do some diluted version of, of my interpretation or something um, 
you know, of a dish that I had, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going to cook it as, as true to, true, as true to the way it should be. Yeah. I mean, it strikes me that it just makes me excited to think about Australian cuisine and all the opportunities that we've got here to, uh, I guess, yeah, just excite people with different flavors and ideas. Um, and I guess, yeah, be respectful, but of course, yeah, you can't cook every cuisine the way that it might be in its country of origin in Australia. So it's. And I think, I think if you're honest about that upfront, like that, that's fine. You know, as long as you're not trying to, to sell it as, as being authentic. I mean, that's fine too. You know, it's, 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 it's never going to be, but, but the moment that you start to try to wave that flag, uh, you know, that's where things sort of go wrong. Like, like I said, food at the end of the day is something very honest. So, you know, the, the moment that you sort of try to do something that that's not, or, I mean, you know, it, it, it never works out. Mm. And I mean, Perth's been through such a particular experience over the past couple of years. Um, it, do you feel like, you know, coming out of those border closures out of that extreme isolation that you know the city is is having a real moment do you feel like there's a lot of promise in the in the future for perth i mean i do i think a lot of people came back from overseas like myself so that's that's always a good thing and hopefully like a lot of people will take the opportunity to leave and travel you know there's this unfortunately there's still a lot of people here that that are like i've never left perth and they're, they're proud of that fact um, that 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 mentality needs to be broken like it's important to to get out and and you know let the world change you you know it's like it's i think it's an important part of learning you know going to a going to a country where you don't speak a language and 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 going through that and learning that changes your perspective on things pretty pretty quick so you know it's like hopefully now that people have been locked up for <laughs> for two and a half years they'll take that opportunity to leave and and go and see the world and you know go and experience stuff in in different countries cultures food everything yeah, love it. I cannot. I'm so surprised to hear that there are people who are proud that they've never, never explored. But okay. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, there. It is. It, it, it's. A, I was talking to someone about a friend of mine about this today. I'm like, I, you know, some someone was telling this the other day, and I was just like, wow, that's that's not something that I'd be very proud of, dude. <laughs> like, it's yeah. There's a there's a there's a whole big world out of it out, outside of Perth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Paul, it's really been a thrill to chat to you and learn more about about your career and your perspective on hospitality. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? No, no, I think we've we've, we've pretty much covered it. All right. Well, uh, what's what's on the menu this week at Casa? What are you excited about cooking? Um, what have we got? We actually probably changed some stuff this week. We've got a a new dish with some uh, local stracciatella that'll probably be going on. Um, there's an, a new mushroom dish going on with uh, there's some guys here that grow mushrooms here locally. The mushroom guys have got some some pretty interesting product. Um, so yeah, there's the the menu here is always in in a in a constant state of evolution. So I mean that's that's kind of exciting. You know, it's it's I get bored really easy, so the, the menu needs to change a lot. Um, you know, to, to keep me to keep me occupied. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Paul. It's been yeah really great to hear your stories. No worries. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. 
hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.